Gibrax. So uh, right after my sister got married, I remember my brother-in-law um, does not eat Gibrax on Pesach. And it was a major issue because my parents do eat Gibrax. So the Shiloh was, was he allowed to eat in my parents' home? Was he allowed to eat on their dishes? So my mother is always very mocked with that anyone who comes into her house should be allowed to eat anything. So even though we don't, in our family, we never had Chol Yisrael, there was always, meaning we never, we, we ate Hershey's Kisses and stuff like that, we always had Chol Yisrael milk in the fridge. Because no one should be able to come into our house and not get a coffee. It's a good Yisrael, by the way, just in general, about, not that I do it, but I'm just saying, it's a, it's a good Yisrael about Hachmas uh, just uh, that everyone should, should always be able to come in. So she said, look, I make one thing that's Kabraks, I make the matzo balls and the soup with one pan, so is, is he allowed to even eat, eat from the Caleb? How far do we go with Gebrux? What, what's Gebrux based on? What's the whole story over here? So the source, there is a Gemara in Sechus Psach and Daf Mem Aleph and Aleph where the Gemara say, says very clearly that you can be Yotze the Mitzvah of Matzah with soaked Matzah. Matzah that was soaked in water. In fact, you should, if, you, if someone is a Chola and they need to, they can't digest regular Matzah, the first line of defense for some, someone like that is to soak the Matzah. That we said, not in juices or anything like that, uh, not in like a soup or anything that's good because we want the tam matzah. You need to have the tam matzah, but you soak it in water. Doesn't ruin the tam matzah at all. And one is certainly yotze the mitzvah of achilas matzah with soaked matzah. The Shulchan Aruch and Simon Tav Samech Aleph Seif Dalid writes yotze adam b'matzah shruya v'hu shaloni mocha. You could be yotze with soaked matzah as long as it doesn't uh, disintegrate. Avalim bishlei no yotze ba. But if you cook the matzah, then you can't be yotze the mitzvah of matzah with it anymore. Um, so, bidiyeved, and really bidiyeved, the Mishaburah says, if it's very bidiyeved, you can even soak it in fruit juice if you're unable to digest it, even by soaking it in water. So, it seems like enough in a Gemara, open a shot case, we're done. Gemara, Shulchan Aruch, Gebrach, it's totally mutter. What's the issue? So, the, uh, the, the source of the custom seems to be it's mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch Rav, in the Shal's Tshuva section, in Simon Vav, the Shulchan Aruch Rav, it seems to be the following issue, that it used to be that matzah baking wasn't always, the, uh, wasn't always done as well as it's done now, and there was a concern that there were some pockets of flour in the matzah that didn't get mixed in properly with the water, meaning it was never kneaded into part of a dough, and those pockets of flour, if you then take your matzah and soak it, in, uh, in, in water so those pockets of flour are going to now mix with the water and it's going to ferment it's going to become mamish chametz it's going to become chametz gavur so if that's the reality when did the Gemara say that you're allowed to soak your matzah that's about matzah that you know for sure there's no flour in the matzah but if there was a inside one of those little holes there's a little pocket of flour and water gets in so then that's it that's going to be chametz you can have a serious problem that's what Shulchan Ar- Shulchan Ar- says Knesset Sagadola tells the story of a, of a, tells a different reason for Gabrach. Tells the story of a, of a woman who um, came into her friend's house and saw that her friend was uh, baking with something that looked just like flour. It wasn't really flour, it was matzah meal. It was crushed up matzah. She was soaking it with, uh, with water, mixing with water, and baking and making cakes using matzah meal. But she saw, look, the Rebbitson's wife is baking with, uh, with flour. Apparently, you're allowed to use flour on Pesach. So, uh, and that led to her using chametz, making chametz. Her husband came home and said, what are you doing? You traipsed up the whole house, it's all chametz. So normally it's the opposite. The wife comes home and the husband traipsed up the house. But the husband came home and said, what did you do? So what do you mean? The Rebetzin's wife, did, the, the, the Rebetzin did it. The rabbi's wife did it. I saw her with it also. So it was all based on this misunderstanding. It's very similar to the kidney issue. 
that the kidneys issue, the source of the custom of kidneys, or one of the sources of the customs of the custom of uh, refraining from kidneys, is that it's too easily confused for something that's real flour. So that's another possibility of where Gabrox comes from. The Ra'avan uh, said that this just came from a total misunderstanding. People misunderstood what their parents' custom was. They didn't realize that uh, they, they thought that their parents weren't soaking the matzahs at all throughout the whole Pesach. They just weren't soaking the matzah that they were using for the matzah's mitzvah. Because like we said, the chachila for the matzah's mitzvah, the, you, uh, you can't soak it. So he says it's all, big one, one, it's all one big misunderstanding. In the Gionei Ashas, in Pesach, and Daf Mem, so uh, Rav Yosef Engel writes that Rashi explains that they were careful about soaked matzah in front of the uneducated slaves that people who wouldn't know better, they didn't want to soak the matzah in front of it. And again, uh, this might be the custom of gebrats, that people don't want to soak the matzah either because of a legitimate concern of flour being there, or because of uh, some misunderstanding that if you soak matzah, then there's nothing in this that's going to stop you from making matzah meal. And if you make matzah meal, then it's going to be confused for flour or uh, any real chametz. So a lot of people rejected this, this minag. The Shari Chuvan, some tough Samak Sifkat Yud says, no, there's no concern with Kabrats because our matzahs are very thin. So there are no flower pockets anywhere in your matzahs. And maybe for the Sephardi matzahs, I've never actually seen one, but I've been told about them. The Sephardi matzahs, they look like pitas, I'm told. They're like big, you know, it's like bread. But uh, so the, uh, the, uh, the thicker Sephardi matzahs, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it would be different. Maybe there still would be a concern. But our matzahs are so thin, there can't be any, po- any pockets of flour in there. The Maiserav, in, in, in Maiserav, it says about the grun, Simon Kuf Pezayin, that the flour was already baked anyway. Once the flour is baked, it can't become chametz either. So it's not like you're not going to have an issue anyway with the flour. So anyway, when does the custom for sure not apply? So even those who are knowing to Nadika Bratzra Pesach, on the last day of Pesach, Shulchan Rav writes there in the Tshuva at the end of Shulchan Rav in Simon Vav, that on the last day of Pesach, everyone is lenient and everyone eats Kibraks, and that's in the interest of Simchus Yantif. In Derech Pikudecha, Mitzvah Yibbez, he explains that this part of the reason that they eat Kibraks on the last day of Pesach is to show that there's a difference between Halacha and Minhag, and that Kibraks is Minhag, it's not Halacha. And that way, they show, look, we're willing to eat it on the last day of Pesach, because hecha de nagu nagu, hecha de lo nagu lo nagu, and we always have to have that clear. The difference between what's real halacha, what's real minhag. Otherwise, you have kids growing up thinking that uh, someone who eats matzah pizza is a guy and an avarian or whatever. No, you should know. There's minhag and there's halacha. Uh, fruit juice, meikra adin, isn't machnitz. So there are some people that won't eat gebrats if the matzah is soaked in water, but will eat matzah that's soaked with fruit juice. Because like we discussed the other day, fruit juice is memeher lahachmitz in one sense, that it causes the chimitz process to happen more quickly, but on the other sen- in, the, in another sense, it never allows the chimitz process to finish. It never allows the real chimitz to happen. So it only makes chimitz nuksha. That's why egg matzahs and whatever, right? That's why we stay away from egg matzahs But since it never really makes real chimitz gomer anyway, so there are some people that are only going to be machmir for gebrats with water, or things that have water in it. But if it's pure tomato paste, to have a matzah pizza with pure tomato paste that has no water added, so in the chara, there, there are those that, are, that would be making such a thing. There is such a, such a minat. There is a brisker chumra to only observe this for the first day of Pesach because of a chashash of matzah shira, meaning not to, uh, not to soak matzah in fruit juice dafka because of a chashash that it's going to turn it into matzah shira. Okay, but that's a, that's a different issue. Um, what about kalim? Kalim that were used for gebrats. So the 
more machmir approach to things is Darkei Chayim Shalom Simon Tafkofayim Beis says if it's based on the Chashash Chimutz, meaning if you're really honest to goodness concerned that there might that when I stick my matzah into the hot soup, I'm making chametz in my soup because there's flour in my matzah and it's mamish can be chashash chimutz. And by the way, it's not only flour pockets that went into the oven. Rabbi Eider talks about old style matzah bakeries before they had such a professional operation. When they would bring the matzahs out of the oven, they'd be opening up bags of flour to knead dough and to make new matzahs. And when you ever open up a bag of flour, flies all over the place. So flour would land on the freshly baked matzahs and that, that was the concern, that that flour is going to turn into chametz when you stick it into your soup. So if you're really honest, now, now we don't have that. They're not opening up any bags of flour in any of the rooms where the matzahs are coming out from. It like goes in, one side comes out the other side, never, you never even see, you know, it's, it's, it, it, would, it would never happen in a modern matzah bakery. But the, the point is though, if you're really concerned that it might be chimutz, so then you shouldn't be able to use the utensils either. The kalim should be yasser also. And my, when I, I called Rav Shechter, I remember, um, when, uh, when my sister first got married, I called Rav Shechter, I asked, can my brother-in-law use the kalim? And he said, no. He says, if he's really serious about it, he should not use the kalim in your, your parents' house, or whatever kalim are used for gibrats. So we put aside separate kalim for him, and uh, those are the kalim that he used. Because he can use the kalim for the following year. Because that, even they're knowing, even people are knowing Gibrats, they eat, not eat Gibrats, do eat Gibrats on the last day, on their Kalim. And then the following year, they still use those Kalim. So there's some sort of Kula that they rely on, that 12 month period, or an almost 12 month period, whatever time was there, so Pagum already after 12 months, is a Chacham Tzvi, whatever, they rely on something to allow them to use it the next year. Uh, the, the more Mekel approach, Shar Mitzion Balach, of course, based on a red vase and the Magen Avram in the Insimit Tav Pei test, that it's only Chumrah, you don't need to be Machmir with the Kalim as well. Um, and the compromise approach is that they use, the, is what I said before, they use the Kalim, and this is what most people do. They'll use the Kalim on the last day of Pesach, and then they'll use those same Kalim last, the next year. What about changing your Minag? This happened a lot. My other brother-in-law, when uh, he grew up in my, my wife's brother, my in-laws don't eat Kibratz. Most of the time. So, uh, so when, when he got married, he decided he didn't want that minag anymore. So he wanted to change the minag. So are you allowed to change your parents' minag? If your minag was not to eat and you did the research and you thought, come on, this is ridiculous, it's not a chashash. So can you change the minag? So Ravad Yosef is an interesting chuvah. Ravad Yosef in Yechav Adas, Chelech Simon says, it depends on what you thought when you started the minag. You haven't been eating gabrat since your bar mitzvah. Why? Because you thought that, that, was, that it was a reasonable chashash and that's what you're supposed to do? He says, if that's what you thought, and then you researched it and you realized that it's a ridiculous chashash, then it was all a minuk ta'us, and you don't even need to be matrineder. It just goes away on its own. But, if when you started doing it, you knew that it wasn't a real chashash, you were just doing it, because that was the family minuk anyway, and you knew that it wasn't a legitimate chashash, so then he said you would need to be matrineder. You could change it, but you would need to be matrineder in order to, uh, to change it. Rav Moshe has a tshuva in Igris uh, Moshe, or Chaim Chel Gimel, where he says it depends whether it was your custom or a communal custom, whether it was your father's custom or not. I mean, it depends how the custom came about, whether it should be changed. I mean, if it's something that really, I mean, sometimes Ramosh has this thing like with davening different nuschahs, that, uh, you know, someone asked him, can they change from nuschah svar to nuschah ashkenaz? And he came from, a, the, the guy came from a, a regular ashkenaz, uh, ashkenaz non-chasidish background. And he said, well, why did your parents ever change from nuschah svar in the first place? I mean, how did that happen? 
So you have to ask that question. How, how many generations old is this minhag? So sometimes you really need to look into how long the minhag has been in your family. Is it really a family minhag or just your father didn't really know what to do so he just decided to do this? Uh, so that's, that's one of the questions that might need to be asked. Plus, of shadows, you could always be matineder. That if you're matineder, that... Uh, but I should mention that if your parents don't eat kabraks and they're very makvid about it and they take it very seriously, so you should probably ask their rishos before being matineder. And if they don't give rishos, then you probably shouldn't do it. I would stay away from uh, fighting over something like this until you get married and you have to go to in-laws who eat kabraks. So then you can be matineder in order to make shalom. Whatever makes shalom, that's what you should do. That's the end of the story. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.